Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Right, good morning, guys. My sister and I share one mom and one dad. Um, my sister's three years older than I am. She's the eccentric one in the grounded area, running the cash, cash register st- team and that. And her handiwork are the aprons that they are wearing. Where they, so she's mad. She drives me mad. And uh, we used to fight and love each other when we were younger. But this, we had, my dad phoned me one day. We only had grace. And he, he said it's his last day at work. He's uh, finishing handing over the keys to the plant. He was a supervisor at a refinery plant there in Krugersdorp. And we, he wanted to know if Molly's could fly from Cape Town, where we were at that stage, to Johannesburg and then drive all the way to Randfontein with Grace. Not Grace as in favor on her, but our daughter Grace. To go and visit them. Melissa at this stage was pregnant with Jude. And um, I said to him, okay, Dad, I'll find out from Melissa quickly, and I'll phone you back. I love you, my dad. I ended the call. Spoke to Melissa. I said, uh, "Dad, my dad wants to fly you and Grace up. Do you think the guy would let you fly? Because Jude was due in April. Because he came, no, no, he was born in February, but he wasn't due in February. He came a little early. So we, we said that, Molly said to me, my love, he wasn't due in February. He was due later. I'm saying he was due in April, but he was born in February, full term. Come on, some guys need to follow me here. Shall I explain? 40, 40, we, 40 weeks. Jess, it's 40 weeks. Pregnant accountant, 40 weeks in a pregnancy. Thank you. He wasn't born on 40 weeks. Resolved. So we're like, Gaini, can he fly? Can Molly's fly with Grayson? And she said, yeah, maybe early January. Should be still okay to fly. That took us 20 minutes, almost as long as this took. I phoned back, and somebody else picked my dad's phone up and said, I'm so sorry, your dad just passed away. His last day at work, he was on early retirement, 55, never got to see any of our other kids. My father passed away that day. I had to phone my mom and say, um, Dad just passed away. Um, it was lovely that I could say the last thing to my dad, I love you, my dad. Had it happened a few years earlier, I wouldn't have answered his call. He was... He was present in body, but absent as a father. No disrespect to my dad. We had a wonderful moment when I was 21. At this stage, I was 25, 26, 27, around about there. Yeah. 21. I drive in the car with my dad, and he says to me, I'm so sorry that I allowed circumstances and people to rob us of a father-son relationship. At 21. 
I said to him, Dad, we can't go back and erase the past, but we can start to build a friendship and see where the relationship goes. Ended up having quite a good relationship. Um, great grandfather. Great dad, uh, granddad. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, he walked once from the bottom of Belito Beach right up to the top where the new shopping center is just to go and buy Grace something. I was like, you could have taken the car. You are mad. But no, he couldn't wait. She had to get her treat. He was a great grandfather. Amazing. So, I, I tackled this morning's relationship thing, and I hope the phonetic thing is up there by now. No, they didn't get the key. I tackled this thing with a degree of knowing that not all our relationships here on earth with our parents end in, I love you, my dad. I, I tackled this morning's topic with, not, not every father-child relationship, parent-child relationship is restored, can be restored, will be restored right now. I tackle it knowing that it is possible in God. But I don't want to talk about child-parent relationships and put a pressure on you to to be restored immediately or belittle or diminish what you possibly have experienced in your relationship with your parents. I'm very, very careful not to speak about it carelessly and be glib about it. Because I know some of us experience things in that fundamental relationship that God did not want us to experience. I know this. When I speak to you this morning about parent-child relationships, I'm going to do my best to present to you hope if you need restoration. Truth if there are lies. Celebration if it is good. Is that all right? I tackle this thing with a degree of knowing that we as humans are limited unless we are renewed in Christ. That, first of all, our relationship with Him gives us eternal hope. I tackle this thing with with the reality that we seem unlimited sometimes in our cruelty to each other if we are not renewed in Christ. And in some fundamental relationships, we suffer at the hands that were supposed to nourish us to such a degree that you sit back and think, how is it possible that you can hurt me so much? And it never seems to stop. 
I'm not trying to diminish any of those feelings or emotions or experiences. Is that all right? I've gone through a week <laughs> where I thought this message would be easy. Because let's face it, I'm the father of six. <laughs> I can speak about parent-child relationships. <laughs> and then you start meditating on something. <laughs> and God starts working in your heart. <laughs> and you feel mauled <laughs> and bruised with the truths that he is revealing to you. Relationships, last week I said to you, is the relation between something and something else. One person or another. The influence on one, on the other. Something that works together. Something that, that is based on value for one another. And I think society is stealing from us the reality of parent-child relationships. The reality and the importance and the consequences. Talking to my children about where they find affirmation, security, and acceptance. You just have to watch a Disney Channel something. And they are safe because they have siblings. And they are accepted because they have friends. And they are fulfilled because they have more than platonic relationships. And then you have this beautiful episode, mid-season, of the father having a moment with a son or a child and, or the mother, and, and then never again. And we grow up thinking parent-child relationships are these little blips. That should happen in children's lives. It's not. It's not God's design. I don't want to dishonor my parents this morning. I want to speak about them with real sober honesty. I have no regrets with my dad. Other than he didn't get to see the other kids. <laughs> and I want to phone him sometimes and say, you are not going to believe what they did. But I can't. We are limited in our time here on earth as humans. Can we make the most of it? My first point is simply children. And we as the church has gone and like so many other things, made a multidimensional, beautiful thing, single faceted. Because it fits into understanding. You talk about parent-child relationship, what is the first thing that comes up? <laughs> Children, obey your parents. And parents, discipline your children. Because you spare the rod, you spoil the child. That is what we hear in churches. 
can't differ on what the Bible says. I can't change it. Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Colossians 3, 20, 21. Children, obey your parents in everything. This pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first command with a promise. It goes on. It's there. Can't get away from it. I want to say, if God puts his name to something with a promise, it must be important. <laughs> this is not some money-back guarantee by very mark that the pots will never get sticky. Let's all confess and admit, bower pans get sticky. That white enamel coating is a hoax, people. It lasts for a month and then never again. It is rubbish. That is not God's money back guarantee here. Children, obey and honor your parents that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. As a parent, you cannot neglect that your child needs to obey and honor you. As a child, you cannot think it is okay to disrespect, dishonor, and not obey your parents. It's the word of God. It is infallible, always relevant, and never changing. Done. <laughs> but what does it mean to obey? And what does it mean to honor? Because you take this scripture to somebody that has been repeated repeatedly violated by a parent, neglected by a parent, rejected by a parent, and you run rough with this scripture past them. And you misrepresent the heart of God for them. I was challenged this week by, by how I honored and dishonored my dad when I was younger. When I was older after 21, it was easy for me to say I'm honoring my dad because it was easy for me from an adult-to-adult -adult perspective to connect with my dad and say, I'm buying a new car. What do you think? And then I knew what my dad would say. My dad was a blue-collar worker. He worked hard so that I didn't have to work hard. That's what he always said. And he would say, my son, I know you'll make the right decision. And then I would go and say, this is what I think. And I, I, that, I honored him. Before man, you would not fault me after year 21 in honoring my dad. It wasn't my idea. God said to me, honor him in all major decisions. Make him feel important. But before that, from child to adult perspective, it was tough. Because this man is there, but he doesn't care enough. 
to be here. And then I had friends whose fathers passed away, and I thought, I would be better off if my dad just passed away. Then at least there would be a reason why he's not interested in me. But he's there, but he doesn't want me. My mom and dad never divorced. He was there, he was present. From that generation that you work and, and supply for your kids. This week, God confronts me with the reality of my dad and the sacrifices that he made for me and how I didn't honor that and how I would speak about him with contempt, embarrass him publicly, belittle him. I had to repent of that. I had to repent of that again at a new level. That's my context. What is yours with the parents? Anybody here born of their own will and their own accord? Anyone? No? No. no. We're all children in a way, aren't we? So does the Bible just speak to us when we are little, honor and obey? No. What does God say about you honoring parents? You honoring a parent. What is your context that he's speaking into? Maybe honoring a parent could be that you need to speak up about what has happened to you at the parent's hand. Without malice, judgment, and wanting your own vindication. Maybe honoring a parent is just forgiving them, but not necessarily speaking to them again. But letting this heart before God be in a space of honor. I felt God say to me, you dishonored your dad, but how you have restored it honored me. As a child, can you say, I am living as a child in my relationship with my parent, honoring God. The other question you've got to ask yourself is how long do you obey your parents? If I had to obey my parents beyond a certain point in what they wanted for my life, I would have been an actuary. <laughs> Maybe a bad decision on my part. <laughs> but I think I would have been bored. <laughs> Assessing risk, not have done it. I don't know if my parents would have given me their blessing immediately to marry my wife. Now I'm going into some territory that just doesn't make sense, does it? I want to say that scripture, honor your father and your mother applies to God too. Sometimes these plans that a father is more clear and more important for us than the plans that our earthly mothers and fathers have for us. Will you honor him in how you pursue those plans? <laughs> how you obey him and possibly not your parents? 
I thought about how do I explain this? Do we, do we get to like 18 and then you don't obey blanketly whatever your parents say? Or do you um, like get to 21 when you now have the keys to the kingdom? That's when you can make debt. Then you don't have to obey your parents anymore. I want to say, please obey your parents when they say to you, don't make debt at 21. Please, please, please. Don't be careless. I want to say it's easy to obey a parent and heed their advice when they are in God and you honor Him. It's easy. But there comes a point when the Bible says you will leave your parents and cleave to your wife. And He becomes your primary parent. And they become perspective. We have the lovely privilege of parenting children through every spectrum. We have all control over Joy and Iris at the moment. Okay, we think we do. But when it comes to what they get dressed with in the mornings, we're at that stage where there's, it's either the pink or the gray socks. The pink or the gray. I want blue. You either pick the pink or the gray. I want, I want blue. We're in that phase with them. Then we now hit Ava, and Ava processes life logically. She needs to understand things. We parent her differently. Then we have Jude, who's going through pre-puberty. It's a beautiful phase. The extra levels of testosterone makes life very, very, very interesting. Cursing, and, and, or not cursing, coursing through that body, those hormones make them wildlings. We have Grace. Who, to a degree, we need to now surrender some control. Uh, and then we have Levi, 20. We're getting into the phase where we're becoming perspective. Teaching him to obey God. Not necessarily us, but use us as godly perspective. And hopefully we stand to, to the test, you know. Children. You have a role as a child, as a child of God, to live a life of honor. And that includes your parents. I don't want to belittle what you've lived through, but I want to say find a way to access that honor. And if you can't do it on your own, we want to help you. Is that fair? Second point, I don't know what I said here, but it says there's a relationship between a parent and child. This is it. Yeah, I got it. I caught the right note. We constantly think that the relationship is top down. Parent to child. I want to say that if you read the Bible, there's also a relationship from the child to the parent. It is healthy to have expectations of each other and to talk through them. I recently had the... the <laughs> The nudging by God, feeling him tell me that I need to tell Grace about my past in detail. We've been wise, I think, in how we've shared our past that we've lived through with our children. And at the right age, we have disclosed certain things and mistakes that we have made, decisions we've made and consequences we've lived through. But I felt God say she's of an age now where she needs to hear a little bit more truth about my past. I sat with Grace, spoke about it in detail, 
She asked questions. I gave answers. Some, I don't know how to give the answers. But grace allowed me not to give answers. <laughs> not just from me to her, but from her to me. And in the moment as my daughter gives me that grace, I felt God say, can you see how your children restore you in relationship with me? He speaks prophetically over our first daughter that she will be a child with unmerited favor and that people will walk in his grace in her life. And yes, he extends grace to her dad, who feels rather exposed when he has to talk about his mistakes. He says, over Jude, he will be a son of righteousness and purity. It's not just a prophetic thing over Jude that he spoke. He spoke it over us. As restoration in our lives. As righteousness and purity. He says Ava will live a life with no compromise and adventure. And he speaks it over our lives. We travel over provinces, live in different homes, a diverse career in a diverse community of friends. Adventure. He gives us iris, and iris means rainbow promise of God and covenant. He reminds us that we are his people. He gives us joy. He was a warrior. <laughs> and she's a thug at this stage. With a different spirit to break down walls. And I tell you that child break down the wall if you go through a shopping center. Hello. How are you? I'm Joy. What's your name? You have a yogurt. He gives us Levi, and we're excited to still find out the more detail about his life. But he restores compassion and kindness through our son Levi. I want to put out the challenge to all the parents here. Know that it's not just they that are the fortunate ones to be parented by you but that you are the fortunate one to parent them. And wake up to that privilege of raising godly sons and daughters. Some of you are sitting here and you're saying, I don't have a child. I want to say, not all children are born of our own flesh. He restores us spiritually as his children when he adopts us. Emotionally, he allows us to parent others on his behalf. Find the space and find the person and do it for him. My last one is parents. Four Ps. In New Testament, Luke 2 verse 27, Mary and Joseph 
walk into the temple, and they are met by Simeon. Not our Simeon. Another Simeon. Who prophesies over this child and recognizes the presence. I want to say as a parent, it, it is a responsibility to bring your children into the presence of the one who can speak life over them. Continually, often, not just blipping every now and again. Luke 2, 19. Mary treasured all these things in her heart about Jesus. There was purpose imparted and revealed to the parents for the children. Third P. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 14. It says, parents, save up for your children. Provide. Fourth one, Hebrews eleven twenty three. As Moses' mom hid him in the bulrushes to protect him. I felt God challenged me this way because I was being a little bit selfish. I was like, ah, get no recognition for parenting this brood of vipers. They bite me at every corner. You know what God said? Yes, you're right. Let's smite them all. <laughs> no, he didn't say that, guys. Just checking who's alive here. He said, it is your privilege to sacrifice in private. Because that sacrifice will create the platform that I will use for them to reach their full potential publicly. I want to encourage you as parents. Sometimes it feels like a thankless job. Even if it's not your own and you are just mentoring someone and walking with somebody. Irrespective of age. Your sacrifices privately, when you do it in honor of God, will see them reach their potential publicly. And that is enough. The father carried the pain of separation when he sent his son to publicly come and reach the potential to restore us. None of us know the anguish of the Trinity or what they felt or if it was tough or to give part of themselves. It's not ours to know, and I don't think we can carry that emotion or understand that decision or that burden or, or that joy or that privilege, however amazing it is that the Trinity thought about it. But who of us counseled him and said, please, come on, let's make a way and give part of yourself up for us to be restored. A private sacrifice that meant that you and I can forever reach our potential as sons and daughters of him who restores us. In the Gospels, Jesus speaks, and a couple of times he uses 
parables and he uses things that are, if you've got a, a Bible where Jesus' words are printed in red, this is printed in red. Okay, so it means Jesus spoke it either in teaching people or he just spoke it in general conversation. But in Matthew 2.15, it says that this was to be fulfilled where it says, out of Egypt, I called my son. Do you know that God this morning is calling you out of Egypt? He says, my son, my daughter, come out of captivity because I want to give you a spacious place. If you as a parent <laughs> don't have anything to say to your children, maybe just say, I call you out of captivity, my child. Matthew 3.17, we know this one. It's marked my life with grace and mercy and kindness. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. As the great parent, he's calling it over us, his children. Matthew eleven twenty seven. the father knows the son and the son knows the father. Taking a little bit of liberty with this one because the context is slightly different. It's a teachable moment. But I want to say, fathers should know their sons and sons should know their parents. And God wants to know you and want to be known by you this morning. Matthew 21, 37. It's where Jesus tells the story of the farmer who let out his land and nobody took care of it. And then he says, but I will send my son for surely. They will, they will respect him. God doesn't make us idols. We are not little gods to him. <laughs> we are his sons who has a purpose. Sons and daughters, when I say sons. Who has a purpose that we have to go and fulfill. Walk in it. Luke 15, 24, he tells the story of the prodigal. He says, my son was dead, but he is alive. He comes and he speaks over you, life and abundance. And then in John 14, 23, it says the Father is glorified with the Son. I felt this morning God saying, I am glorified when my sons and my daughters know that I'm their dad. Because you see, it's much broader than just disciplining a child with a rod. It's restoring purpose, protecting, providing, speaking life, declaring hope, bringing the voice of God into their lives. But it's comfortable when we make it so single-faceted in our minds. May God as a parent this morning challenge you to parent like he parents us. May you as a child here this morning, all of us are children, I've said that, understand that he's parenting us. In Peter it says we've been born of imperishable seeds. 
I'm no longer what I was. I'm reborn in him. Hebrews 12, 5 to 6 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be wary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Unfortunately, we cannot get away from the point where God will love us enough to correct us. And we as children get back to Exodus where we say we will honor and submit and walk in what God has for us. Even if it's discipline, that's not comfortable. Hope it brings perspective on relationship between parent and child a little bit broader than just submitting, obeying, and disciplining. I hope that you can see that in God there's a myriad of things that he wants to do for you as his child. It's not just a once-off, now you are born again, now you're my child. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to walk you through difficulties. He wants to speak life into your purpose into you, in, in, and, and, and encourage you and celebrate you into your destiny. Can you stand with me, please?